What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Field Stormers, episode four. We are going on week eight of college football. As always, I am your host, Mo Murphy, with my co-host, Walker Bailey, in the building. Walker, how you doing today? Good. We're, I mean, big slate tomorrow. We're kind of, it's hard to follow up last weekend's slate, but uh, we have a lot of games tomorrow that have an opportunity to do the same thing. So uh, looking forward to diving in and talking about it. Yeah, and speaking of last weekend's slate, which, man, probably was... It's going to be tough to top that as a weekend, but if you want to hear our thoughts on that, we joined our guy Jeff Hunt on Jeff Needs Sports, so make sure you go check out his episode from this past week um, with his college football preview. Spent about an hour, 15 minutes um, previewing the Tennessee upset, the landscape of college football right now, you know, Oklahoma State losing, all those games uh, that were big time last week, last weekend. We covered that on Jeff's show, so make sure you check out Jeff Needs Sports to hear our thoughts on that. We're going to dive straight into this weekend. Obviously, it's a late start for us as far as us recording here on a Friday. Typically, we get middle of the week. Schedules got a little tied up, but what we weren't going to do was cancel Field Stormers all together because this is your weekly college football show at Off The Ball Network. So, first matchup we're going to talk about, we're not going to spend a lot of time on these first two matchups. Just, we never get to talk about my team because we haven't had a premier matchup. Coming off a of bye week. Ohio State at home versus Iowa, 30 and a half point favorites. Walker, before I go on my little minute and a half spill, what do you think about this game? I mean, I just think it's a game that Ohio State needs to play well and win. Like, I mean, I know that that's kind of like bland and it just is what it is, but that's really all that they can do. I mean, I don't, their strength of schedule is what it is. And like, it's not their faults necessarily, but, um, you know, you play who you play. And so you just have to line up and win. And if they win, it takes care of itself. You know, I think that. Ohio State fans will be nitpicky and look for certain things and play, but really all that matters um, is playing well and and finding a way to win. Uh, they should win this one rather handily. I don't think Iowa can do anything offensively uh, that will allow them to keep up in this game. So if Ohio State plays well offensively, they should win this one by four scores. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those games where you just want to see them play well and get the W. That's really all that you can do in these games because nothing that Ohio State does on – Saturday for me is going to alter unless they lose is going to alter like how I feel about them moving forward. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's just one of those, like you can say anybody can say what they want. This is the first real test Ohio state's offense is going to have. This is basically the number seven defense in college football in Iowa. If you look at their statistics, number one in giving up big plays, they don't give up big plays. They lead all of college football in the lack of giving up big plays, I guess you will say. Um, they got a top-notch run defense, a top-pass defense. So this is the best defense probably Ohio State's going to face all the way up until Michigan. And even right now, numbers-wise, Iowa's defense has been better than Michigan's. But, you know, like you said, this isn't necessarily the premier matchup. Strength of schedule is what it is. You can say that about Michigan as well, but we all know, like, this season, that's the game that matters. Like, Ohio State-Michigan can handle business because we know it's going to come down to the game in rivalry week. But what I'm looking for at Ohio State, I'm looking more on the defensive side. Iowa, as much as their defense is one of the best defenses in college football, they literally have one of the worst offenses um, in college football. They weren't able to march, basically score on anybody. I mean, they held Michigan for a little bit. Michigan's talent just prevailed. Uh, obviously, like I didn't think Michigan was going to lose that game. It's just Iowa does have a stifling defense. I think the lack of creativity for Michigan at times is what may take longer to pull away. But I'm looking at Ohio State's defense. I think defensively, we have to 
all practically shut them out. I mean, like you said, you know, we said this pre-show, you said it. If they score double digits and it's not off of like bonehead mistake that Ohio State made to kind of give them short uh, a short field, and I was marching down Ohio State, to me, how am I supposed to take them serious as national title contenders knowing that this is the weakest offense we will play all season no matter who's left on our schedule, let alone when I'm looking at everyone in the top 10, top 15 as far as contenders, every single one of them who we could match up against in the college football playoffs, if that's where we end up, offense is 10 times better than Iowa. So I'm just focused on Ohio State's defense. I think our offense is going to take care of itself. We got a lot of players coming back from injury. Jackson Smith and the Jigba is expected to play. Both running backs are expected to be healthy. Some of the guys hurt on defense are ready to go. We needed that bye week to, to kind of handle business for the second half of the season. So I think we're, we're heading in the direction of being in full strength over the next couple of weeks. We'll be as close as we've been all year for this Iowa game. So that's all I'm looking forward to. I'm looking at our defense and obviously just having not seen Ohio State play in two weeks. Obviously, I'm excited to wake up and be able to see Ohio State play 12 p.m. Eastern kickoff at home against Iowa. So we'll move on. Talk about your team real quick. I'll get my thoughts first. Pass it over to you. Ole Miss plays LSU on the road at 2.30 Central Time, so 3.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff. LSU's favorite in this game. Little weird, right? But I think what Vegas, and I guess it's based on Vegas, but I think what it's seeing is Ole Miss has, has had enough close calls. It's kind of like with that Bama situation. Like, even though Bama was still favored over Tennessee, they probably, if they had blown out everybody that they were supposed to, they probably come into that game 17-point favorites, 14 and a half points. I think Ole Miss has had so many close calls that in a hostile environment against a team who's a good team. Their LSU isn't great, but they're pretty good. They, they, they've coughed up a couple. They got a couple quality wins, especially for an LSU team. They're good. They're, they're, they're well coached. I, I value Brian Kelly. Walker, I know you value Brian Kelly as a really good coach. So they're well coached and they've come into their own and, and they're starting to play better football. So I can see why they're favored it because Vegas kind of predicting that this is the one Ole Miss has had a couple close calls, a couple performances where they could have played better. And if that's the same case against LSU with the way LSU is playing right now, the expectation could be that Ole Miss loses in a close one. Um, I don't foresee that. I think this is a close game. And you see unranked versus number seven, and you're like, oh, there's no way this should be a close game. It'll be an indictment on Ole Miss if they don't handle business. But Walker, as you and I know, as avid college football fans and covering the sport, we know that's not the case. But your casual will see un uh, unranked versus number seven. How are they even favor? Ole Miss is overrated. They must suck or whatever it may be. I'm taking Ole Miss in a close one, but I wouldn't be surprised if LSU plays just the way they're winning. Jaden Daniels, leading passer, obviously playing quarterback. He is their leading rusher, which always gets a little concerning to me, especially watching him play. He likes to run first a lot of times, um, but he's still, he, he's progressing and he's playing a lot better as of the past couple of weeks. So Walker, throw it over to you since we're talking about your team. Ole Miss versus LSU, Ole Miss on the road. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I had Ole Miss nine and three preseason, and this was one of the three. Uh, it's just Death Valley is such a difficult place to win, and I feel like I'm kind of setting up, you know, a loss as for Ole Miss. But like, if you want to be taken seriously as one of the top ten to twelve programs nationally, when LSU is down the way they're down, you have to go in there and win. I mean, you're not going to have to deal with the nighttime environment. Um, you know, you're playing at two thirty, you have to go in there and win. Uh, it's a game that. Uh, I'll be curious to see how Ole Miss handles the environment. 
because they haven't really played a road game yet. Like they played at Georgia Tech, but that doesn't really count. Um, so I'll be curious to see how Ole Miss handles the environment. If you want to be taken seriously, it's a game you have to win. Um, I I think Ole Miss is going to win. I would guess that Ole Miss has a lot of success running the football. But, I mean, I think at the end of the day, this is going to come down to how Ole Miss plays defensively. And if it's a close game, then how does Jackson Dart handle the pressure of a road environment and making important plays with his arm when he has to? So we'll see. Um, I'm pretty anxious about it. Uh, it was one of the three I had as an L preseason. Um, you know, I'm not going to back off of that now per se, but I do I do feel more confident in Ole Miss now than I did preseason. So we'll see. Um I could easily I to me it's a game that Ole Miss either goes in and wins by two scores or they lose a close one. I don't think LSU can blow Ole Miss out. I don't think uh but I also think that if it's a close game that I'll trust the environment and just trust that LSU makes one or two more plays at home. I think if Ole Miss wins, they go in there and kind of command it from start to finish. Yeah, 100%. So now we're going to move on to some of the big-time matchups. We've got to talk about our teams a little bit. Um, Ole Miss playing in a more premier matchup, obviously, than Ohio State, even based on the fact Ole Miss is coming into this game as underdogs. Texas versus Oklahoma State. Quinn Ewers, who essentially coming back from injury is playing well, was playing well pre-injury. Obviously, we know he got hurt in that Bama game. We know how we feel about Texas if Quinn Ewers never gets hurt in that Bama game. And Spencer Sanders, bro, he's been he, he's been balling. Like, he, he's been balling. I know they're fresh off a loss, but he still played really well. I think Oklahoma State basically gave up that game um, last week. They had a comfortable lead. Not too comfortable. That's uh, unreasonable to come back from. But they were kind of up and kind of... I won't say dominating, but doing what needed to be done for them to come out with the W. And then TCU obviously just did what they do. Play out of their minds. You've been buying into them all year. Um, so anybody who's been listening knows and, and anybody who, you know, listens to Up in Flames and knows Walker said this even before the season. He was big on TCU. But I think this is a big time matchup. What? Texas is on the road against Oklahoma State. They're favored by six and a half, I think, last time I looked. Six, six and a half. Six and a half, depending on where you shop. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that half a point can make a difference on how you decide to bet them. But this game, I think, is – this is huge. I mean, any Big 12 game right now, and there's, you know, there's another one that we'll, we'll cover here in a second. Um, but the Big 12 has been really interesting, really entertaining, and been playing very good football. And that goes for Texas and Oklahoma State. And whether you think Texas could win out or not, they are a team that is capable of doing that with a tough row ahead of them in this, this is one of those games. Like, this is one of those tough games on the road ahead of them of basically trying to make a Big 12 title appearance. But the, with the way Quinn Ewers is playing, I, I think I have to lean on Texas, bro. I think, you know, I'm, I'm sipping the Kool-Aid with Texas right now. Um, I won't say they're completely back, but at the same time, I I very well could see them having been undefeated had Quinn Ewers never got hurt. Because if they beat Bam, I don't think they would have turned, like, I don't think they lose the Texas Tech with Quinn Ewers playing and, I know those are huge what-ifs, but if a team loses their quarterback and they still play it close and had an opportunity of winning, I think it's a safe assessment to walk away from that game and it'd be like, I feel like if they had their starting quarterback, they get the job done and get the W. It's not like Texas got blown out by Bama, took a game when a field goal. Think what? They lost by a touchdown to Texas Tech. So I think with the way they've been playing offensively as well, and that, I mean, that defensive performance against 
Oklahoma was outstanding. But the way they've been playing offensively with Quinn Ewers since he's been back, I think it's safe to assume that this two-loss team very well could be undefeated in one of the top five teams in the country. So I'm going Texas. Walker, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, I I like Texas. I think that with Oklahoma State, you have to worry about them losing the uh, losing the TCU game twice. Uh, you know, one of those things where you go on you go on the road in a massive matchup as an underdog, and you control the game from you know opening kickoff until about five minutes left in the game, and then you get into overtime and you lose it. And a lot of times, you know, we a lot of times we forget that these are human beings and kids, and we're not going to see just level emotions from game one to game 12. And so a lot of times we kind of see teams lose games twice. And we've seen it a few times this year um, across the country with big, like with high ranked teams. And so I'm kind of worried. I know it's at home and it's going to be a hostile environment for Texas to go into. Um, But Spencer Sanders is banged up. We'll see, you know, I expect him to go, but you know, he's banged up. It's a shoulder injury, um, which is never good for a quarterback, but We'll, so we'll see. I expect Texas to go in there and kind of handle business. Um, I think Texas and TCU are kind of a cut above in the Big 12 right now. Uh, I kind of expect that that's what we're getting in the Big 12 championship game. At least I hope it is. That's what I want. Um, but, yeah, so I expect TCU to go in there – or TCU. I expect Texas to go in there and handle business, uh, take care of Oklahoma State, and just keep this thing moving. Yeah, I mean, the same expectation – um, because they have two losses, we can't say Texas is back, but I'll tell you, they look pretty damn good for, for yeah. set up for next year. Like the unfortunate injury, I will say Texas looked pretty well set up uh for next year, knowing that Quinn Ewers is probably it's gonna be what between him and Caleb Williams, like Ewers and Williams gonna be the Stroud and Bryce Young the next year is what it seems like. Um, as far as who's gonna be the top quarterback coming out of college football. So Texas definitely has a bright future. It looks like Sarkeesian finally has figured some things out. They got players everywhere. Um, They got some solid guys on defense. And something about this Texas team that we haven't been able to say in a while is they got multiple guys on both sides of the ball that will probably go to the NFL draft, which we have not said that about Texas. And it's been some years where we really feel safe on, like, especially when we say day one or day two, where they got a couple guys who could go in that first round and, and, if not, they got, they're going to have a plethora of guys going in that second and third round. So, I mean, this is one of the most talented Texas teams we've seen in a while, and Sarkeesia seems to have figured it out. And with knowing that he has a quarterback this year and next year, I think it could be a little scary for the Big 12 with the way Texas is playing and the way, you know, Quinn Ewers went from what he didn't look great in that first game to looking absolutely amazing against Alabama, and he looked like Jesus on cleats, is, and that's what everybody basically had him as coming out of high school. So mm-hmm. keeping it in the Big 12, Kansas State versus your beloved TCU Horn Frog. So for everybody listening, for everybody at home, Walker is not a TCU fan. He is an Ole Miss fan, straight out of Mississippi. But Walker takes interest based on betting, and Walker bet a preseason bet that TCU wins the Big 12. He loved the odds. He loved the fact of how they would look, probably look a little bit better than you expected. But at the end of the day, if your Horn Frog ma- mascot hat came in, you would be wearing it on this show, right. trying to talk and breathe through that while we're covering yeah. this game. So Kansas State versus TCU, because these are your your beloved Horn Frogs, I go um, I think TCU handles business in this game. Kansas State offense kind of scares me. Adrian Martinez has been playing well, but I just don't think they're explosive enough. I think TCU is able to make enough stops. Now, granted, they've been in shootouts 
um, in their big games outside of blowing out Oklahoma, like their big games, even with Oklahoma State, they put up a lot of points, gave up a lot of offense. But I think Kansas State offense isn't what Oklahoma State's offense is um, particularly. So Adrian Martinez has been playing really well um, after transferring. He looks like an adequate quarterback. Looks like he should have probably made that move to transfer two years ago. Uh, he's probably two years too late as far as trying to turn himself into what we would consider an NFL prospect. But as far as for a college quarterback, he's been playing very, very solid. It looks like a totally different quarterback than what we've seen at Nebraska um, under Scott Frost. But TCU's just rolling right now. And, and it's tough for me to think that TCU's going to do anything different. They're at home, um, which to me is a big deal as well. Is like TCU at home. This is a night game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a night game. So I think, you know, when TCU is really good, uh, uh, Walker, take it over. They're, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a blackout. It's a blackout on Saturday. We got a, like, it's going to be fans are all, uh, fans are going to be wearing all black. Uh, TCU dropped the all black unis. So it's going to be a hostile environment. Um, to be honest, though, it's a spot that really scares me for TCU. Like, I don't love the matchup. Kansas State's really good defensively, which kind of means that the best units are going to be going up against each other. Um, Kansas State's defense. Kansas State's defense. Um, kind of is just it's going to be a matchup problem for TCU. So TCU, if they need if if they win here, they can pretty much lock them lock themselves into the spot or lock themselves into a Big Twelve championship spot. Um, if they lose, then we're talking about potentially opening the door to not making it. So it's a game that you have to win if you're TCU. Kansas State's coming off a bye. I don't love the fact that we're going to give Kleiman extra time to prepare for this Sunny Dykes offense, but it's the hand they've been dealt. So they have to deal. I mean, they're going to have to deal with that. So I'm going to take TCU in a close one. I don't feel great about it. I don't, I, but I, I can't, I have to go down with the ship. That's, we have to go down with the ship there. Um, so I'm going to take TCU. Mo had to take a phone call. So it's just going to be me here for a second. Um, UCLA and Oregon, 2.30, I believe ABC. Um, 2.30 on Fox. Total set at 70 and a half. This is interesting. Um, UCLA off of I going to Oregon. Um, everybody's kind of falling in love with Chip. Chip's returning to Eugene. And for Oregon, they've been on a roll. They've kind of obliterated everybody in their path since the loss to since the loss to Georgia. They've kind of reminded people, hey, look, we're still a really talented team. Um, they beat a pretty decent BYU team by a lot of points. Um, hung 70 on some FCS opponents. They won a tricky, tricky road spot against Washington State. So this it's an interesting matchup from a um, just from a conference standpoint because it's almost like who's going to take control, uh, who's going to take control atop the Pac-12 along alongside uh, alongside USC. I know Utah beat USC last week. I'm still giving USC the benefit of the doubt there. Uh, I've come away more impressed with them actually in that game than uh, than I did. Going or I'm higher on them coming out than I was going in. So I actually like Oregon here. I like Oregon. Um, not big, but I like Oregon by a touchdown to 10 points. 
Uh, Bo Nix has been actually really good at Oregon. I mean, and when you put Bo Nix in big spots at home, he tends to make plays happen. Uh, we have watched that throughout his entire career at Auburn. So I like him here. Uh, I think they can take advantage of UCLA's defense a little bit. Uh, I don't think it's going to be just a super, super high sc- – like, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. It's 70-and-a-half, but I don't think we're going over that. Uh, I think both teams are going to be able to have success running the football, which is exactly, I think, where Chip Kelly wants to live with Charbonnet and uh, with Charbonnet and, uh, and DTR. So I just think – I think UCLA maybe commits one or two turnovers that just – that end up costing him this one. I like Oregon. Um I like Oregon and we'll kind of go like we'll kind of go like 38 27 somewhere in that range. So that's that's kind of where I feel on that one. Um yeah, and I think that and then Syracuse Clemson will kind of close out here. Uh Syracuse Clemson biggest game in Syracuse football history potentially, maybe 30 to 35 years. Going to Clemson playing in Death Valley, uh Dino Babers has had a lot of success coaching against Dabo Sweeney. I think they've covered the spread four of their last five matchups against Clemson. Um, Clemson favored by 13, 13 and a half, depending where you look. Uh, It's going to be one of those things where I'm not really sure how Syracuse is going to score. Syracuse's offense is pretty reliant on running the football successfully to set up other things. And I like to say this about Garrett Schrader. Uh, Syracuse's quarterback, he takes some of the worst sacks you'll ever see. Uh, just sacks that should be losses of five that turn into 12. And I just think that if you get, if you have that type of stuff happen uh, on the road uh, against Clemson, then you're going to be in a hard spot. Clemson already thrives against opponents that run the football really well. Um, but just something about, there's just something about this game that feels weird to me. I like, I mean, from a matchup standpoint, Clemson should be able to take advantage and just absolutely thrive. But part I think Babers maybe with some play action stuff is going to have some stuff cooked up. To keep this one close into the fourth quarter, Clemson's going to win the game. I think it's going to be relatively close, though. I think I think Syracuse comes out of this one feeling pretty good. Uh, I'm not just a super buyer on Clemson's offense. I think that they're better because DJU has been better. Um, I But Clemson should win. This is a game, if, you're, if you lose, if you're Clemson, then it's just fire alarms everywhere. It's it's massive issues. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, so I'm going to take Clemson. I'll take Clemson. Uh, we'll go 24-17. I think they'll 24-17. Dino does enough to keep it close and put points, put some points on the board, and give themselves a chance to win. But Syracuse uh, or but Clemson does just enough to win the game. So I think that's I think that's going to wrap it for me here. Uh, we'll see if we get Mo back. Uh, he had some work stuff that kind of popped in out of nowhere that he had to take care of. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, we've got to go upset alert. Upset alert. So, Mo, I don't know who Mo was taking. I'd give it to you if I had it. I don't have it. Um, so, uh, my upset alert this week, uh, Penn State's got a whiteout in Happy Valley. I don't particularly care. I like Minnesota in the spot. They're getting four and a half. Uh, I like him to win outright. I don't like the way Penn State looked physically against that Michigan team last week. They're probably a little bit beat up anyways, and the only thing Minnesota does particularly well is run the football straight at you. Mo Ibrahim is going to be back, which is a massive uh, is a massive get for Minnesota. I think that they're going to be able to 
run the football successfully against Penn State, which will allow him to control the clock, and it's going to keep this game close all the way until the end. I like P.J. Flex Punch just to make one more play. They don't throw it a bunch, and I don't love Tanner Morgan, but I trust him more than I trust Sean Clifford in a close game. You would think Penn State would get a home field bump here, and maybe they do, but I just I trust Minnesota more. It's a team with a lot of veteran players that's won a lot of big games. So I like the Gophers in this spot to go into Happy Valley, pull the upset, pull off the upset, and kind of send the Big Ten into a frenzy heading into Ohio State, Penn State next week, and just kind of solidify what we already knew, which is that Ohio State and Michigan are the class of the Big Ten and that we are on a collision course for the uh, for you know the game at the end of the year in Columbus with Ohio State and Michigan. So that's going to wrap it here for us at Field Stormers. Um, Mo had to dip out. That's just kind of unexpected, but you know, we kind of have to roll with the punches here sometimes. And, um, so it's a short episode this week, but looking forward to everything tomorrow. Make sure to check out everything at offtheballnetwork.com. I'll have some writing stuff up later today on the site, as well as every other piece of content and sports that you could want. You can find it at offtheballnetwork.com. NBA season started a few days ago, and you know, all of our guys are, uh, all of our guys there have you covered with that sport not me particularly, but there's a lot of other guys that are talking hoops and uh, handling that. I know that our president, Chris LeBron, just dropped a, po- a Knicks podcast maybe 30 minutes ago. So if you're a Knicks pe- person, go listen to that. Uh, if you want further college football content, make sure to go check out Jeff Hunt at Jeff Needs Sports. We'll do uh, he'll have his weekend recap Sunday or Monday, and then we'll have ranking shows Tuesday. And then we'll hopefully follow that with field stormers again next Wednesday and be back on our regular schedule. You can follow me at Walker Bailey eight one eight on Twitter. Uh, I'll be, I'm just kind of all over the place with my sports stuff. Uh, We'll have baseball content today and then more college football content. If you want to go follow my other co-hosts, go follow him at Mo underscore cheese 15 um and he's kind of the same way so from me and mo at field stormers uh thank you for tuning in and we'll see you again next week